Welcome into the Pursuit of Manliness podcast, where we are vigorously equipping men to pursue biblical manliness. My name is Jarrett Samuels. I'm the host of the podcast. Men, as always, I'd like to begin by thanking you for checking out today's podcast episode. Now, whether this is your first time coming across the Pursuit of Manliness or your longtime subscriber, man, I'm glad you're here. If you would, make sure you visit thepursuitofmanliness.com. Specifically, I want to highlight for the month of January, signing up for the email newsletter. Now, in the past, I haven't been very good about sending out a regular email. And if I'm honest, I don't read a lot of emails that are sent my way either. But what I want to do for this year is be more committed in sending out that email every week. The focus will be a different aspect of the framework of biblical manhood. We've been talking about this for a long time since this summer, and it's something that comes up continually within the pursuit of manliness. Currently, it's a focus within tribe as well. But what I want to do is every week send out an email, and I want to highlight a different aspect of that framework for biblical manhood, whether it is being spiritually sound, mentally strong, physically fit, or relationally established. Again, make sure you sign up for that email newsletter. It's going to be a resource that will go to your email every week. I just hope it's a resource to you to encourage you to consider that framework for biblical manhood. Men, it's time for today's podcast conversation. Well, let's pray. Uh, God, I thank you for today. I thank you for waking us up. I thank you for Jeremy. Uh, God, I thank you for the heart behind uh, this book that we're going to talk about, but also it's much bigger than this book. The conversation that that is taking place and needs to continue to take place. God, as we've just talked very briefly, I'm thankful for um, all of our, our military. Uh, we have active, we have veterans, we have, we have people in the first responder world. We have people doing all kinds of things in this public service uh, domain where they just put their their lives on the line for, for a lot of different reasons and causes. And God, we're so thankful for them. And God, I pray for those who are listening to this conversation today, whether they're in their truck Maybe they're working out, walking the dog, whatever they're doing. God, that this would just meet them right where they're at in your timing. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, men, at this Amen. time, I want to introduce Mr. Jeremy Stallnecker. Jeremy, thanks for being on the show. Thank you, man. Really appreciate the invitation. Been looking forward to this for a little while. Well, I I, I really want to get in the book, but it, it wouldn't be fair. What what just would you just introduce yourself, who you are, what you do, kind of your what your yeah. nine to five, if you will, is, and we'll go from there. Yeah, I'll do my best. Uh, who am I? That's the <laughs> that's the question everybody's asking, right? Who am I? Uh, I am a uh, I'm a Christian. Um, I'm a husband. I'm a father of four children. And in my professional life, and and really, you know, when you're in ministry, I don't know if you have a professional life, but what I spend most of my time thinking about and focusing on is working with veterans, active duty service members, and first responders through the work that we do uh, as a part of. The Mighty Oaks Foundation. I'm the co-founder of Mighty Oaks, which is a nonprofit that serves those communities. And really, we approach trauma and post-traumatic stress and these related issues from a faith perspective. So we're different than a lot of clinical programs, and God's been very good to us. So uh, in a nutshell, that's what I spend the majority of my time focused on those areas, my uh, relationship with God, my relationship with my wife, my kids, and then the work that we do through Mighty Oaks. You know, one of the things in, in, in our day and age with social media and stuff, everyone's trying to get somebody's attention by having a niche or whatever. Uh, no right. question, your title, if I if I walked across it in the bookshelf, I, I, I'd have to figure <laughs> out what, what is this thing about? But when we dive into it, the, the, the substance, the meat of it is absolutely there. So the book is called March or Die, Moving Forward When Your World Seems to Be Out of Control. Uh, man, what led you to write this? 
I think there were a lot of things. One is just the book itself is a story of my time in Iraq with 1st Battalion, 5th Marines. I was deployed as a Marine to Iraq in 2003. We were part of the initial invasion into the country, made our way to Baghdad. And for me, that was my my final um, deployment, my final objective in my service in the Marine Corps. Uh, retrograded back, came home, and then went to work full-time for a local church, uh, church that we had been a part of. Kind of a lot uh, to that. Um, but over the years, you know, from that time forward, I, I had rehearsed a lot of these stories and talked about these different things that happened while we are in Iraq. But for me, everything has a, a spiritual maybe component or at least a lesson that we can learn. And so I started to think of these stories that are in that book from that perspective. What's the lesson that can be learned? And had a bunch of guys reach out to me who I had served with, and and we had told these stories, and someone suggested, hey, why don't you you know put this in a blog? And so I did, I did a couple of blog posts, and then eventually put it in the book. But that title, March or Die, it, it's become you know people have to talk about the soundtrack of their life or whatever, but that's been the mantra that I've come back to thousands of times every single day. I think about it and talk about it. The principle that regardless of what we're facing in life, it can be real combat. It can be spiritual, emotional, relational combat, the things that we deal with just in our lives. We have to make a decision. Are we going to move forward one step at a time? That's the march. Or are we going to stay where we are and die? And when I started telling those stories and then started you know, working on drawing out principles from them, that core truth, that march or die truth, we only have two choices. Um, it has impacted so many areas of my life. And so uh, that's the name of my podcast. That's the name of that book. It's a talk I give often. And, and uh, a lot of what I communicate comes from that place. It's one of the things I respect the most about Mighty Oaks is your stories are real. You know, you guys, mm -hmm. when you talk to them, it's, it's not, you know, some made up story or not. It's, it's yeah, yeah. real and it's real yeah. hands on. And, and I think men resonate with that, you know, yep. um, you you introduce us in chapter two to a guy named Caleb. You call him the decision maker. Could you just tell us mm -hmm. who that is and kind of how he got that title? Yeah, I mean the new the uh, the New Testament, the Old Testament character of Caleb. He's uh, you know Joshua and Caleb. We know these guys when the nation of Israel was at a pivotal point. They had to make a decision. Uh, Moses, for whatever reason, sent these twelve spies in to view the promised land. They came back and and. You know, it, it was one of those times when I think Moses was expecting a great report. It's like when you tell your kids to go look at something because you know they're going to be excited and they come back and all they want to do is complain and talk about how bad it is, right? Like, um, that's kind of what he ended up with. And he sent these 12 spies into this amazing place that God had prepared for them. And they came back, 10 of them did, and said, it's bad. I mean, it's beautiful, but it's bad. The, there's giants there and we can never go in. And Caleb was this guy, man. You just find him throughout uh, the book of Exodus, uh, even into his 80s, or he's like, let's get it, <laughs> right? Like, there's some guys out there, and, and they need to be fought, and so I'm going to do some fighting. Uh, Joshua, obviously, a man that God used greatly, but Caleb was uh, a guy who had made a decision that he was going to pursue what God set in front of him, regardless of what that looked like, and he was always excited about it. Um, unfortunately, we know how that story went, uh, the children of Israel rebelled against God and Joshua and Caleb, even though they were in support of God's word and God's work, uh, had to go along with that. But yeah, Caleb's a, a powerful guy, man, and so much to learn from him. I think it's Deuteronomy 34 where he's trying to get his cut, you know, and he said, hey, wh where's mine? You know, and he said, I have right. un <laughs> unabated vigor. Like, that's what I want. Yeah. I want to be a guy yeah. 
in my 80s with unabated vigor. Yeah. Yeah, but, I hope I'm still walking in my 80s, but if there's some unabated vigor, <laughs> that'd be good too, right? Well, don't um, you don't you run marathons or don't you do something like that? Yeah, I have uh, recently okay. run some marathons. I do uh I've done some ultra running and uh, in fact, yeah, this so November 11th it was a couple of days ago. Yeah. Got done with a 22 day stretch of marathons. I ran a marathon a day for 22 days uh, <laughs> as part of a promotion talking about, not a promotion, but a challenge talking about veteran suicide and the solutions found on the other side of that. So yeah, I took on this challenge, but man, I'm not 80 years old. I, I, <laughs> uh, I hope that I'm still that excited about life uh, when I'm that age as, as Caleb was, but we've got to get after it wherever we are, I guess. You know, maybe you're not running marathons, but it really does come down to one decision at a time. You don't magically it one does. day wake up to be an 80 year old with vigor. You have to no, be a 30 right. year old with vigor. You got to be yep. a 50 year old yep. with vigor. You yep. know, cho choose your vigor. And you say, understand the biggest fights in your life come when you least expect them. Yeah. Right. I mean, when you're thinking everything's going well, sailing, it's all good. And then bam, something happens. Yeah. A buddy of mine calls it razor thin moments. You know, they go either way. Mm. So uh, unpack that for us, will you? Yeah, this is a uh, this is critical, and you know people talk about expecting the unexpected, but uh, you know I put that that way. You know, the biggest fights in our lives come when we least expect them, and the reality is, it's not the fights that we're preparing for. They always say, you know, it's not the bus you see coming that's going to run you over; it's the one you didn't see and you step off the curb. But in our lives, that's exactly it. The fights that we thought were a possibility, the fights that we thought were coming, we prepare for those. We're mentally and emotionally and spiritually ready. But it's that stuff that comes out of left field. You know, it's the psalmist saying, God, I, I shared my table with this guy and now he's put his heel on my head. I mean, that's it's that close relationship. It's those people you never thought would turn on you that do. And so many other scenarios there. When I talk about that, I often, you know, make the statement that um, it is the unexpected that can cause people to become the lifelong victims of a one-time event. And, and, and this is what happens, man. We don't see the fight coming. And so in the middle of it, we look around and go, this, this shouldn't be this way. And we let it roll us over. And now instead of fighting through something in front of us, we become the victims of that. And you know, these people, these are the people that it doesn't matter if you're talking about the weather, right? <laughs> Whatever you're talking about, eventually they're going to work it back to who hurt them or what happened to them or uh, something else that's going on in their lives. The lifelong victims of a one-time event. And that's the starting point when we talk about moving forward. Understanding the battles in front of you are not always the ones you see coming. But when they get there, acknowledge, I didn't see this coming, but here we are. And now we have to decide what we're going to do. Amen. Um, you know, one of the things you say is it's not about you. And I think anytime there, there's people who are wired yeah. that anytime something happens, any adversity, it's personal. You know, the the guy in the back messed up their, you know, chicken nugget order and it's personal. You know, it's the, the guy <laughs> right. going too fast or too slow. It's personal. Yeah. I, I think when we're given the opportunity, we should not make it about us. Uh, but we often do. And then we become victims in our own story. So what happens when it's always about me and I become the narrative is I'm the victim and everyone else is the bad yeah. guy. Yeah, there's a lot attached to that. I think, um, well, there's a lot there, right? So first of all, we need to understand that our purpose and our priority comes from God and not from us. So that's one thing. 
is it's it's really not about me as in what do I want to do. It's about how can I fulfill what God has set in front of me? And so establishing that priority and that changes everything. So now when people come against you, if you did something wrong, you're going to be in a position to apologize for that, to reconcile that relationship. If you didn't, you'll work through it to the best of your ability and then you'll be able to move on, but you're not going to get stuck in this kind of in-between space where, as you mentioned, everything is personal and everything is about me and why do they hate me? And look, people don't hate you as much as you think they do probably. They don't love you as much as you think they do. They don't think about you as much as you think they do. Um, God has set something in front of you. And, and I would say as men, you know, that is to have a strong relationship with God, to accept responsibility for ourselves, to love our wives and love our kids and serve in our communities and and all of those things that we talk about. That's what you should be focused on. Okay, so that's one part of it. The other part is this, and this is where a lot of people miss it because we talk in our world about recovery and we talk about even redemption. And we use all of these things, whether it's in a cultural sense or in a church sense, but we make it about us. I need to get better. I need to grow. Uh, I need to redeem my past. I need to get over this. And, and we tend to think of that in terms of us. If I can just get back to a place where now I can live the life that I was created to live. And that's right in a sense but what we can do is leave a back door open and say, well, if I don't want to, it doesn't matter because it's really about me. Or I don't have to get better because it's about me. When we realize it's not about us, <laughs> then even recovery and renewal and redemption and moving forward, those things aren't about you either. God is using you as a vehicle to serve other people, to be a blessing, to minister, to show the way forward whatever it is God has for you, but you're not getting better for you. You're not uh, experiencing that redemption of your story for you. You're not doing that for you. You're doing it so that God can use you to minister to, be a blessing, encourage those around you. And man, that changes the narrative, right? Because now I don't get to take my life. <laughs> I don't get to wave the white flag and kick it into neutral and say, this is as far as I go. I don't get to sit on the couch when my family needs me to stand up and lead. I don't get to do those things because it's not about me. Now, that's easier said than done, and I, I certainly can acknowledge that. But um, that principle alone will change so much in our lives when we realize it's not about me. <laughs> and, and therefore, I've got some things I need to stand up and do. Yeah, yeah, what you just talked about, the suicide, the, that's a different conversation. That's part of a different conversation. I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I think sure, we're, for sure. And we're moving that direction for sure. But for sure. I think the first thing is a man has to do is just cut the crap. Just just quit. Just quit feeling sorry for yourself. Quit sitting in the yeah. corner, sucking your thumb, waiting for the emotional <laughs> ambulance to come by and say, oh, yeah, man, you, that's right. you doing okay, man? What I have found in my life, I mean, Jeremy, I, you've served and say so your, your world is way different than mine, though, is when people have depended on me for something, that's where I've grown the most. Not not yep. when I was hiking by myself, not when I was doing this by myself, not when I was finding my, whatever you yeah. want to call it, uh, bullcrap. But I'm saying when people needed me to stand up or respond, yes. that's been the greatest growth. And how do we get guys to see that everybody has people yeah. who depend on you? It's funny. It's funny you mentioned that. Um, I uh, I did this this 22 marathon challenge, which I just mentioned, and there were a lot of reasons for it. And there was a lot around it. And then a lot of people started to kind of come alongside. Right. And then I get these messages, messages every day from people. And then it, it's all, it became a thing. 
So probably, um, I don't know, like day 17 or 18, I was traveling. So I was doing a marathon a day and I was traveling every, just about every day. I was on the road for three weeks. And so that complicated everything and it made it harder and I couldn't rest as much. And, and uh, I was keeping a, a, a kind of a journal of every day. And um, on like day 17, I wrote at the end, um, you're not tired. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. That was all I could write down in that journal. You're not tired. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. And it's exactly what you just said. Like, I chose to do this. It was for a really important reason. There are a lot of people who are looking to what's happening for inspiration and strength, and they're doing their own thing, and we're inviting people to come along, and everything about it's good. But in the middle of it, I'm like, oh, man, I'm so tired because I have to do this thing that allows me to serve other people. It's like, man, get over yourself, right? And so that was a huge part of it. But we get so in ourselves, and we we do get tired, and things happen that push us inward and we forget that there are people watching us. I always talk about that little kid down the street who shows up in your neighbor, in your driveway when you're washing your car. You know, why does that kid show up in your driveway when you're washing your car? Because he doesn't have anybody else to look to. Uh, I think about, um, you know, nieces and nephews, your own kids, other people, the guy at the office who's struggling and he knows you're a Christian. He's looking at you to see how you handle life so he can decide what he's going to do. People are always watching. This is why the Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, right? Like, I'm going to do the right thing, and then you're going to learn from me, and that means you're going to be following Christ as well. Uh, we don't want to believe that because I think there's responsibility wrapped up in it, but we need to just accept the reality of it, the truth, that people are watching, and uh, you need to keep going. I uh, This is kind of another anecdotal story. I was running the Marine Corps Marathon a few weeks ago, and 100,000 spectators out there, everybody's got a sign. One of the signs said, keep running, people are watching. And it's kind of one of those tongue-in-cheek things, right? Like, yeah, no kidding, there's 150,000 people out here. But man, that hit me, like, and it hit me, and I've talked about it. Keep running. Why? Because people are watching. And it gets goes back to that, it's not about you. There's people that need you to keep moving forward. Man, I've never done anything near that, or and nor do I want to. But God bless you yeah, for well, doing that. <laughs> yeah, everybody does their own thing, right? Like yeah. everybody has something. But this summer, I was trying to do 100 miles, do this ruck thing with our our tribe fitness yeah. guys, whatever. And so here I am walking yeah, around, yeah. I got my weights and whatever, and I'm thinking, you could just go home. What are you doing? Like you could just go home. You could have sweet tea. <laughs> Why are you here? And then yes, it, hit, yes. it hit me and I got my phone out. I made a video and it wasn't moving to anybody, but I just needed to say it. And I thought I told basically said, there are people who wish they could get out of bed and just go ruck or just go walk. I mean, it's physically hard to get out of bed. Like their legs don't work or, yeah. you know, your kids yeah. driving you crazy. Yeah. There's people that wish they had kids, you know, your job, whatever. There's yeah. people that wish they had a job. You talk about watching your car. That kid might yep. be looking at you because he wishes his family had a car, you know, like sure. don't take for granted sure. the things that people covet and wish that they had as well. Yes, life yeah. is hard. You talk about you didn't get to choose the fight, but you'll choose how you fight. Yeah. So, so what is that? Yeah, that's uh, really important, right? And so the two have to be connected. Um, the story I tell with that is, you know, we were making our, our way to a, a bridge and it was supposed to be unguarded. We found ourselves in a, in a terrible fight. It was one that wasn't expected. So we didn't choose that fight. 
But what we did get to do is decide how we were going to fight. And we had trained, we had prepared, we had already made the decision ahead of time about what would happen if we ever found ourselves in that situation. So when we did, even though it was unexpected, we still fought the way we had trained and we came out on the top. And, and that's the principle. Um, I, he's not a Christian. I always caveat it with that. Um, Victor Frankel wrote a book, uh, called man's search for meaning. And, uh, he said a lot of good things in there, but Victor Frankel was a psychiatrist, psychologist during World War II. He was Jewish. He was interred in a concentration camp. For those that aren't familiar with his story, check out the book. The first half of it just tells his story. Um, but in a concentration camp, he's a young psychiatrist. His wife and his unborn child were sent to another concentration camp and killed. He was four years in this thing and, and wrote down a lot of things later on that he learned while he was there. Uh, why are some people okay in this situation and some aren't? Why did people thrive and and others can't make it another day? And what's going on there? And, and he talked about a lot of things, but he boiled this this thing down. He he said the last of the human freedoms is the is the the freedom to decide. He said the process of making a decision, the ability to decide, is the one thing that no one can ever take from you. He talked about how there's stimulus and then there's response. There's the thing that happens to you and then how you respond to it. And in the middle between the stimulus and the response is that power to decide. And in that, he said, is your true power. And again, uh, we could talk about that from a theological standpoint. But the truth is that no one can take away from you the ability to decide how you're going to respond to what you're going through. That's the difference between someone that's been through something and someone that is the victim of what they've been through. This is the reason, you know, personally, I get on a soapbox, but personally, I don't like the, the language around survivor. You know, I'm a survivor of, you have survivors networks and I'm a survivor of, because I don't want to, I don't want to identify with something that happened to me. It's okay to have survived, but I don't want that to be my title. I am a survivor, right? I get to decide how I'm going to fight now. I get to decide whether it will be honorable whether it will be just, whether it will be right, whether I'll do the right thing, get up and move forward or not. No one takes that away from you. And yet, particularly men, we like to say, well, you know, I would, but I can't because of my circumstance or whatever. Your circumstance shouldn't define you. That fight that you're in, maybe you didn't pick it. But you know what? Now you get to decide what you're going to do. And there's so much power in that. Yeah, we talk about, is this a storm or is this a season? You know, a storm is there something, you, go. you know, flat, flat tires, a storm. All right. Or whatever. I wasn't yeah. expecting that point. I'm, it's, I'm, well, I'm screwed. Yeah. Whatever a season is. I got kids graduating or I get this going on. Whatever. Yep. They, but that's they good. all pass. They all pass. Yeah, and you talk about sometimes you just need to hang on. I, I wanted to differentiate the, the guy feeling sorry for himself. And then the guy's really struggling. I mean, really sure. struggling, man. Sure. So those guys, what do you do, man? Um, you know, they're they're hanging on. They've been through some stuff. I was talking to a buddy of mine. You know the bad dudes in this world because they don't go looking for a fight because they've seen stuff. Right. They don't want to see right. it again. So yeah. these guys have seen some stuff, and they're, they're, they, they can't process it, and they can't communicate it. How, how do they hang on? I mean, there is an awful lot in that conversation, and every person is wired a little bit different. Uh, and so I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all, but there are some principles. We talk about – in our program, when you come through our, you know, our program, we tell you to do four things, or we ask you to do four things when you go home. Now we're going to work with you to get 
the counseling that you need when you go home. We're going to work with you to get into the right places and around the right people. But we, we say, hey, there are four B's you need to hang on to. You need to be in the word. That's hearing from God every day. What does God have to say? Because we contextualize what we're going through and it's not always true. <laughs> so we need to balance that off the truth, right? So be in the word and then be in prayer. That's expressing your heart to God and allowing God to align your will to his. So you're in the word, you're in prayer, and then you're in fellowship. This is so critical. Isolation absolutely destroys us. And when I'm when I'm feeling bad about myself, my natural tendency is to just to isolate, to get away. And there are a lot of reasons for that, but that's the exact wrong response. So you're hearing from God, you're spending time in prayer, and then you're in fellowship. And I think the the great a great place for that is the context of the local church um, and then groups within the church and then friends that you know. For someone going through a specific type of struggle, you know, and there, there are so many. We could talk about addictions. We could talk about relationship issues and financial issues or, you know, in my context, things that happen in combat or in service to our community, whatever it is you're dealing with, if you can find other like-minded people that have also struggled through those things and they're a few steps further down the road than you, man, that's a great place to start. Surround yourself with the right people. So you're hearing from God, you're speaking to God, you're surrounded by the right people. That last B for us is be in contact with your corner man. That's what we call it. But uh, this is someone, you know, it's not the general kind of population. This is someone that knows, hey, when I'm really struggling, I'm going to reach out. And, and often this is what we might call a mentor. This is someone that's a little older than you, someone that has some life experience, someone that cares about you. And someone that maybe, maybe it's not counseling per se, but they can give you life perspective on what you're dealing with. And if you'll sit in those four Bs, I'm spending time every day in God's word. I'm spending time praying, asking God to work in my life and, and, and conveying my heart to him. I'm surrounded by the right people. I'm in the context of this community. And then when I'm really struggling, I'm going to reach out to that person that knows, hey, when my name comes up on the phone, uh, answer that phone <laughs> so that I can, I can work through that with you. And, uh, man, there's so much power in that. Now, beyond that, there are good counselors who can help work through specific issues, but, but so often we isolate from God, we isolate from others. And even though we know there are some people that care about us, we don't reach out to them. And if we do those three things, the rest of it will start to come together. I see, and I'm sure you do as well. Too often people make the relational fire department call when the house is already burnt down. You know, yeah. Like, right, what, right. 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 What do you want to do? Get a shovel. I mean, what, what can I do? But man, <laughs> let, but in, 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 we've all been there. I've been there myself. And I was just writing about that today. When you know, reach out to someone, when you go through some stuff, if you fold, you don't have a story to tell. And I know in that right. moment, you're not concerned with your story, but Jeremy, right. you know, this as, as well as I do that you get to be that person that someone else has reached out to at some point. If you did not fold, if you decided that right. you were That's not, right going to give up. And, and, and I'm a believer that sometimes just deciding not to give up is literally one decision at a time. Um, you, you write about that in your book. Like how, do, how does that work for a guy yeah. to just that is, give up? That is one decision at a time. I wrote this the other day that the march or die life, this is how I said it. The march or die life is a daily decision. And, and it's funny because I hadn't boiled it quite down like that until recently, but it is. It's a daily decision. And it's so it's knowing the right thing. It's knowing what you should do. And then it's every day getting up and saying, All right, today, regardless of what else happens in my life, I'm going to move forward. I'm going to take that next step. Uh, I'm going to keep going. 
And, you know, everyone's struggle is different and what they're dealing with right now is different. And then those seasons, right, those come and go as well. But in this season, in this moment, in this time, through this struggle, whatever it is, um, I'm going to consciously make a decision every day to get up and do it again. We think we can make a one-time decision. All right, I'm going to push forward. That's not how that thing works, man. Like, <laughs> you're going to get knocked down. You need to get back up and make the decision again and make the decision again and make the decision again. The lie that we sometimes buy is that if I have to make the decision again, it's maybe I failed or maybe I wasn't uh, serious or, or yeah. whatever. I No, that's that's life. That's, that's the struggle. This, the, the guy who moves forward is the one who every day gets up and – and takes the next step. That's why I use the word march instead of run or something <laughs> else. It, because marching is is like, I know I'm going over there. I don't exactly know where over there, but I know I'm going over there. And it's just one foot in front of the other. Marching is the simplest thing in the world. You're putting one foot in front of the other. And, and that's the daily decision. Put one foot in front of the other. It's what Christ told us. Choose today. Choose to take up your that's cross it. every day. It's a decision to do it. And I think you're right. I yeah. think sometimes guys, when they have to make that decision again to die to themselves again or whatever, they feel like it's it, it was a failure. No, it's every yeah. moment. You're closing the gap right. on you know, forgetting what I'm doing and remembering what I'm doing and just choosing to do that. And man, getting to church, getting to community, getting to word, all the things you've said, 100%. Um, Jeremy, where do we go to, to get this book? We'll find out more about you, what you guys are doing. Yeah, I appreciate it. The best place to go is just to the Mighty Oaks website. Everything is there, mightyoaksprograms.org, mightyoaksprograms.org. You can learn more about what we do and how we do it. And then uh, I'm I'm on kind of all the socials. Just use my name, Jeremy Stalnecker, and you can find uh, my stuff. Uh, most active on Instagram and links out to everything else that I'm involved in. So, yeah, I appreciate it. Those are uh, anything we could ever do to help. We exist to help and to support, and we would love to connect with you. You know, I was thinking as you're talking, I didn't want to say because I don't want to ruin the 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 way it was going. But you know, I work with your secretary. I call them handlers. I never know who they are, and they give me schedule. Sure, sure, Jeremy, sure. This Jeremy's schedule, whatever. And I'm thinking, who is this guy? Like, what is going? Well, he's <laughs> running 22 mi- 22 marathons. Well, I'm sitting on my tail. Sure. So, and thank, thank you for finding yeah, well. a way to have this conversation. Post, uh, you're done, right? You're done running, right? All, all done. I may be done running for the rest of my life. I don't know, but uh, definitely for right now. I think I'm done running for the rest of my life, too. So um, <laughs> you, you men to her, we're going to continue that conversation over there. Once again, men, I thank you for listening to or watching today's podcast conversation. If you would, make sure you click subscribe. That way you're always notified when there's new podcast content. And I'll go back to where I started. If you would, go to the website. Make sure you are signed up for the email newsletter. Check your spam folder. Make sure it's not being dumped in there. Starting the beginning of January, I, my goal is to send that out every week and again hopefully it's a free resource to you that you can encourage yourself people in your home maybe your friends and family men thanks for listening thanks for watching let's keep pursuing biblical manliness